Wow. That was so friggin' cool, man. That was one of the funnest experiences I had. It was a Saturday night. Um, <laughs> Could have chose to go out. <laughs> and, I, and I decided to stay home that night alone. Screaming at the TV. And, and joy and excitement and, and, and stress. And that was the funnest. Oh, man, that was one of the more fun times uh, as a Knicks fan that I've had. How amazing was that? I mean, I'm still... I'm still excited. It's it's Monday. <laughs> the game was on Saturday at 6 p.m. It's Monday. Almost 6 p.m. And I'm still excited. <laughs> um, So excited to where I got a question. It's, whoever's listening or watching, I, I think it's probably very prematurely, premature of me and early to do this, but I don't care. Because right now I'm excited, and I can always take it down. But behind me, I have pinned to the wall. Um, I don't know if I, th- I think that's the New York Post headline from Game One. Um, it's on my wall now. Is it premature? Is it a little too you know participationy? Is it Tampa Bay Rays wild card game bad? They put the banner up for that. Like I don't know. That's how excited I am, um, guys. This was a, this was the first. Road playoff win for the Knicks since 2013. That was huge. I don't think you understand that. that. Do you know how big that was? To be able to take game one in Cleveland like that and get that win out of the way. Obviously, I want to take tomorrow night. And we got to. This is the playoffs. You want to win every damn game. But the fact that we're not heading into Tuesday's game down on ourselves and in danger of falling behind 2-0. That is as significant as anything right now. The pressure is now on Donovan Mitchell. A whole lot of pressure on Mitchell. Wow. Let's talk. Let's get into the intro. Episode 510. Welcome to BD4, an RJ Carbone podcast. BD4, where there is no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis. We also do MMA. Yanks every series, Knicks every game, MMA on occasion. BD4 is a five-star show on Apple Podcasts, also available in video format on YouTube and Spotify. So thanks for stopping by, and we hope you enjoy the show. Champion of the world, looking, see ya! Anthony for three. All right, let's talk Knicks, man. Episode 510 of the podcast. I'm your host, RJ Carbone. Whew. That was something. Um, <clears throat> the Knicks win. 109-97. They defeat the Cavs in Cleveland in game one. The game starts, you get some good defense by the Knicks right out the gate with a ton of ball pressure. You could see their game pl- game plan right away. Um, you had Brunson getting into the lanes, drawing contact at the free throw line. Randall knocks down his first shot from three. 
Then he gets a little running layup after that. He looked good uh, physical-wise. He didn't look like he was injured. Uh, the Knicks go up 9-2 to start the game, but then Cleveland goes on a run. Knicks playing some rough defense. Mitch did not look great under the glass. Um, he had Garland driving to the lane, and Mitchell, Donovan Mitchell getting a few to fall. Tibbs made some lineup changes, though, and the Knicks found it again. Hartenstein's out there playing well. The first unit, he's playing with them in the second quarter. Brunson gets into foul trouble at one point. You had Brunson off the floor, Randall off the floor. Cleveland took advantage of that. But you still have the Knicks, after not as good second quarter, up five points at the break. Third quarter, the Knicks step it up defensively again. They start crashing hard on the glass. Offensive rebounding from Hart, Randall, Mitch, Hartenstein. Brunson gets hot. He really carries the Knicks offense along with Josh Hart in that second half. You had Hart putting pressure on the Cleveland defense and getting the Knicks out running in transition. You had that one sequence. I think quickly maybe gets the board. He goes to Hart. Hart throws up to RJ who misses the lob, but Hart cleans it up because of course he does. His fingerprints were all over this game. Um, and I hope that he's okay because I just saw the news about a sprained ankle. So that really makes me mad. Um, but I'm going to try to ignore that right now and worry about that after the episode. But there was some tough play on both ends for the Knicks late in the game with a couple of costly turnovers. Uh, some tough defense in there. Bad defense. Um, but then you got Josh Hart saving the night with the shot of the night. The three-point look that he cans. Brunson knocked down some big shots. Grimes and Hartenstein even knocked down some big free throws. And the Knicks eventually win 101-97. to I don't know where to start. <laughs> like, there are a lot of things we could talk about here. Um, <clears throat> but I feel like <clears throat> whatever we start with doesn't exactly mean it was the best part. Like, there are so many things you could point to as the reason they won. But I want to start with the defense because the Knicks held the Cavs to 97 points. Uh, and they're not a great offensive team as a unit. But I'm impressed with the defense. Because it was something I was concerned about heading into the series. Um, as the dog barks, I hope you can't hear him. But it, her, her family would piss at me for saying that. Um, I gotta go fucking take care of that in a second. But... Yet Tom Thibodeau had a scheme, and the Knicks executed it. The Knicks had a clear plan on Saturday night. Get the ball out of Mitchell and Garland's hands. Funnel the ball to guys like Okoro. Force those open perimeter looks to non-shooters like him. Make those guys burn you. And the Knicks did exactly that. That was their game plan, to shrink the floor. The Cavs didn't have many open looks on Saturday night. But the ones they did have were guys who were you know, considered average to below average shooters. You saw constantly early on, right out the gate, the Knicks were helping off those guys and helping onto the ball handler and penetration. Right out the gate, the Knicks were helping from the strong side onto Garland and onto Mitchell and Delane. Letting Okoro take those open corner threes. Their pick and roll coverage? Loved it. Trapping the 1-4 pick-and-roll constantly on Saturday night. Literally the first possession of the night, you saw the Knicks be very aggressive in the pick-and-roll, bringing Randall up top to trap on Garland near the side there. 
That forced the first of many turnovers early for Cleveland, as Garland threw it right into RJ's hands, and the Knicks would score in transition for, I think, their first basket. Yet Brunson helping on to Garland to force an open look for Rubio, who also can't shoot. The Knicks were even using Brunson in this game, at parts, as an extra body to help in the paint, onto Allen, forcing turnovers down there on the entry pass. Third quarter, Brunson leaves Okoro in the left corner, crashes to the weak side block, and he tags Jared Allen. Ends up becoming a turnover for Cleveland. Knicks are on the break. But with the Knicks constantly trapping in the pick and roll all night, the Cavs also had to often go to Evan Mobley in the short roll. But it was ineffective a number of times. If Mobley found a pass out of the short roll, or if he attacked himself out of the short roll, the Knicks had their anchors in the back line with Mitch and Hartenstein. The Knicks were very quick on their feet Saturday night. They made great rotations on ball movement. They looked very sound and disciplined. So I, I thought the defense, first and foremost, was just excellent. Um, one of my biggest concerns for a while has been R.J. Barrett playing on the defense side of the ball. I thought R.J. played pretty good defense. Cleveland tried switching him a little bit in the first half. But he had some possessions during this game where he held his own on Mitchell, on Garland. Um, so I really like the defense. I'll say that the Knicks do have to be a little more careful when Donovan Mitchell crosses the timeline and he comes off those immediate screens by Jared Allen because Mitchell is going to pull up. We know he has crazy range. And Mitchell Robinson sometimes is a little bit hesitant coming up to the level. But he's got to at least keep his hand up on those ball screen actions and close out a little harder. I think in game two tomorrow night, whichever big we have and drop at the time has to make that read a little bit quicker. Because Cleveland wasn't rolling hard. A lot of the times, like I said, Mobley would stop in the short roll. So if Mitchell's defender gets caught on the Allen screen while the big still isn't up yet, that's you know, you're toast. So I think they need to do a better job reading that, that roller. Um, but listen, the Knicks just, they played to their identity. They played more physical than Cleveland did. They hustled, played hard-nosed, and they even, I would, you know, some would say they beat Cleveland up a little bit in the physical game, especially that pussy Mobley. The Knicks won the glass 51-38 to on Saturday. They won the second-chance points battle 23-12. to they held Cleveland to only only 40 points in the paint. So the Cavs may have the Twin Towers there. But I will say, whenever, whenever Bickerstaff ran Mobley at the 5, the Knicks were able to dominate the glass and eat up every single miss with Mitchell Robinson and Hartenstein down there. Randall, even Josh Hart too. They were just constantly relentless on the offensive boards. And that's them. That's who they are. It's their identity. They were constantly creating second chance opportunities and they did it multiple times in the second half. I can recall a few sequences. How about the one in the third quarter where the Knicks kept getting the ball back over and over? Brunson misses, but Mitchell Robinson boxes out and draws a loose ball contact. Same possession. Randall misses. Josh Hart skies for the offensive board. RJ then misses. Mitchell Robinson hustles his ass off to grab the offensive rebound. 
Randall ends up finding a cutting Mitchell Robinson from the short corner for the basket. That was all in one possession. I thought that was just perfect. That was everything the Knicks are as a team right there. Uh, how about Hartenstein in the final 50 seconds of the game? Josh Hart this time misses the pull-up from uh, like right above the nail. But it's Isaiah Hartenstein who's able to corral it coming uh, from behind Allen on the baseline. And he's able to tip it out to Grimes before Mitchell and Garland could come up with it. Even the sequence not long after that possession. Again, it may not seem like much from an outsider watching, but it felt gigantic. You have the Knicks up 10. No, I'm sorry. You have the Knicks up 2 with 10 seconds left. Brunson takes and misses the elbow 3. And Randall from the weak side elbow comes flying in to secure the board. He kicks out to Grimes, who then gets fouled. And knocks down both of his big free throws. Yeah, just big time possessions because the Knicks were playing physical ball. I mean, Randall was out there pushing Mobley the fuck around. Mobley finished with 8 points on 4-13 shooting. Shit, when they play Dean Wade out there, that's also easy money for Randall and Postup. It's an easy mismatch. I just think Julius should go away from isolating... Um, Evan Mobley on the wing that's not a favorable matchup but gotta say I was worried about the physicality of the playoffs you know because in the final few weeks of the regular season we all know Randall picking up a few techs losing his composure with physical play right but he showed on Saturday night in a game where officials most certainly swallowed their whistles Breen was getting annoyed Randall showed he was able to handle it um, I think in game two, though, Cleveland's definitely going to come out more physical and more aggressive. Um, you know, they just lost game one on their own floor. Their backs are kind of against the wall a little bit with two games coming up at the Garden this week. So I, I wouldn't be shocked if, you know, they get real dirty with Randall, Brunson, and you see some scuffles. So he, he's Randall's just got to keep it together and not let anything lead to you know the extra free throw or, or God forbid worse. But um yeah, defense, the physicality, excellent. I wanted to start there. How amazing was Jalen Brunson? Let's get to him, because he's gonna get the game ball amongst the starters. Bing bang. Um twenty seven points, two steals, a turnover, eleven to twenty four shooting, four of four at the line, twenty one of those points in the second half. Early on in the game, he dealt with foul trouble. Barely played the first half. But he comes back and responds with a dozen right out the gate in the third quarter. And has himself a hell of a fourth quarter as well. And that's why he signed the guy. That right there is why you signed Jalen Brunson. Not for the regular season. Not for, you know, awards like most improved or trying to make an all-star team and worry about him being snubbed. No, who gives a shit about all that? That's over. You signed Jalen Brunson to go to work in the clutch, in the playoffs. And this kid, just like Kendrick Perkins said, he's no longer just a fun story. He's legitimate. He's a legitimate crunch time performer. There's your difference between the Atlanta series, which I promise not to keep bringing up, and this series. You no longer have to just rely on Julius, who's never been a credible number one down the stretch. Now you've got a legitimate guy for that. You got a playmaker. Sure, Brunson had a bad turnover. Missed a tough shot in crunch time. But he also scored nine points in the fourth quarter. Seven of them coming in the final five minutes. Clutch. 
I was actually kind of laughing when, when I saw J.B. Bickerstaff put Osman onto Brunson late in the game. Okoro gave quickly a tough time. And I think if you put him on Brunson enough, he'll make Brunson work. But they went Osman over Okoro, uh, over Mitchell, which says a lot about Donovan Mitchell's defense. It's not good. And we know that. Brunson knows that. He torched him up last year with Dallas. He did it all of this year in each of the four matchups with Cleveland. And he did it Saturday night a little bit. I love Jalen Brunson. And I it was a great night for him getting his paint touches all night, knocking down some key jumpers. And no different. Um, maybe my only nitpick with the Nick offense in this game was late in the game, once again, kind of forcing it to Brunson and relying on him a number of times. Went away from the ball movement. I get it. Um, at the end of the day, your star players will win you the game or lose you the game. Uh, I still feel, though, that you don't have to force it, and there's a balance that you should try and find. Um, you got other guys to look at. But that's really my only big-time complaint. I thought the offense worked good. The process was there. The Knicks are going to run those guard screens all series long, by the way. You know, Jalen Brunson is going to hunt Donovan Mitchell on switches this series. I can guarantee you that. He's going to hunt it. That will be the Knicks game plan offensively. You saw it throughout the night on Saturday. They brought R.J. Barrett up top to screen. Quentin Grimes, even Josh Hart. Those guys were screening for Brunson, especially R.J. early on. Now, Cleveland wouldn't always bite. They didn't switch much, um, especially in the first half. A lot of the times, the Cavs, a lot of the time, they would stay home or they'd have Mitchell hedge and recover or show. But come the second half, the Knicks got their way a little bit more on those switches, and you saw Brunson take care of uh, Donovan Mitchell a few times. But he got everybody. He got Mitchell, he got Osmond, Allen, Levert, uh, anyone. It didn't matter, as, as we know. But yeah, the Cavs were trying their best. They were blitzing the pick and roll heavy. They made Brunson work hard, but he still did a nice job, and he got what he wanted, man. The one thing I'd like to see more of, and we saw... Some of it last night, maybe in the middle of the fourth quarter for a play. I like to see RJ, when he comes off the screen, instead of fading out to the three-point line, roll into space. Because with Cleveland helping up top on the ball handler post-screen, it's going to give RJ the room to operate in the short roll. And you saw some of that, yeah, in the fourth quarter. Um, it led to some beautiful ball movement. RJ screens for Brunson. He rolls. Brunson finds RJ in the short roll. RJ kicks to Hart, I think, in the weak side corner. Then Hart kicks to Randall on the elbow three. So. Um, yeah, they, they, they were kind of picking apart Cleveland's defense a little bit. They, you know, one of the good things about having Cleveland load up at the level is having these good passing bigs in the Knicks. You know Hartenstein's going to find his cutters. We know that. Um, and he also did a nice job playing off the ball, finding those open pockets and rotating into space to get in position for his floater. We also saw Randall expose the holes in the Cleveland defense as he found Josh Hart cutting back door in the second quarter with Cleveland playing a 3-2 flat. I think that's what you call it. My, my X's and O's aren't great, but... Yeah, they they... 
you know, when Cleveland puts three up top, the Knicks are always constantly finding that cutter. Um, especially in DHO offense. But speaking of Josh Hart, he gets the other game ball, obviously, because he had he was the best player on the floor. Josh Hart was the best player on the floor. He gets the game ball from off the bench. Um, how could you not give it to him? He he was arguably the MVP on Saturday night. I, I really, really believe he was the best player out there. Um, 17 and 10 on 8 of 11 shooting, 2 assists, a steal, 1 giant 3-point make. That shot was everything. Everything about Josh Hart was that shot. Since he's come here, he's done nothing but make big-time plays. And you know, remember, I'm pretty sure that shot came right after he sprained his ankle and he was limping around. But he comes back on the floor, or he stayed out on the floor, I think, and the Knicks, in a bad possession, were in desperation, and they go to Hart to create a look in the final seconds of the shot clock, and he does. He cans a huge three-pointer um, right above the break. So, the offense with Hart, the defense, the rebounding, the intangibles, the hustling, amazing. Five offensive rebounds in this game. The kid is a magnet for the basketball. On the boards, in the pass lanes, anywhere. He's pressuring the offense constantly. So, I don't want to hear one more thing about that stupid pick. Gosh, please. Because we're winning right now in the playoffs. That's all that should matter. I don't care about the pick. And I have confidence that Josh Hart will be extended. I do. Um, I want to go back and praise Tom Thibodeau here a little more. Because Tom Thibodeau. Wow. Talk about adjustments and, and really, really changing as a head coach from when he first came here. We talked about the scheme and execution of it both offensively and defensively, and he deserves credit for that game plan. But I thought he was good with timeouts. That's usually a concern sometimes. But I liked when and how he used them, stopping momentum and such. But how about the rotation? How about mixing and matching a little bit with the lineups? Staggering minutes in the rotation. He made some adjustments in the first half to play the second unit for the Knicks against Cleveland's first unit. It was unique and very smart. He played Brunson with the second team over RJ. You saw a little mixing and matching with the center position. Going with Hartenstein on the first team. And then Mitch playing alongside the second team. Really cool. And he was not afraid to take RJ out at the end there after that rough turnover he had. Um, He ends up going with Grimes. You know, I do think it was a little late, but... The spacing when RJ is out there with Josh Hart is a little clunky sometimes. So I don't love when he closes games. And Hart is usually going to close games. I don't love when RJ is closing games. Um, especially if he's 2 of 12. But we'll see. Um, Tibbs giving Obi Toppin some meaningful burn there in the third quarter. Showing some big time trust. Which will go a long way for the kid's confidence. This is a kid who was a former lottery pick, the number eight pick in the draft a few years back, expected to be a big part of this team. Um, Then Randall has his breakout campaign. They ended up not trading him, but extending him. And since then, Obi's been in this odd position. 
especially since if you're Obi Toppin, I'm sure he feels like he's talented enough to play 30 minutes since he's produced a lot for them when he's given that longer leash, especially at the end of the seasons. So good for Tibbs for using Obi in some very important moments in this game and making him feel like a part of the team again, giving him a role out there. Um, and Obi really, really did a nice job con- contributing. He was fantastic. Third quarter, it was giant. Provided some really good minutes. Leaking out for dunks with RJ in the fast break. Had the three-point ball in the corner last uh, Saturday night. Fucking another leak out in this game with Brunson throwing the outlet to him. He was three for three in the third quarter, nine points. For a guy who was kind of getting used to playing big minutes there at the end of the season with Randall out, to go back to just playing 14 minutes, but still be motivated enough and able to produce, you got to respect how it didn't really affect him negatively. Um, and most importantly, he, he provided Randall some extra rest because of that. So, And that's what it's going to come down to. It's going to come, this series is going to come down to depth. And I think, I, I'm not so sure that the Cleveland Cavaliers have the depth to take on the Knicks. I just don't know. Um, the Nick bench outscored the Cleveland bench 37-14. to And that was on a night where Emmanuel quickly gave you zero. He was 0-5 for 5 from the field, had three points that I don't even remember him scoring. The Cleveland bench got nothing. Three from Levert, two from Wade, none from Rubio, nine from Osman. The Cavs... Bickerstaff leaned on his starters 40-plus minutes from all of Mitchell, Garland, and Allen. 38 minutes from Mobley. And you needed a 38-point performance from Mitchell, but you still lost. The most minutes from a Nick was Randall's 34. How about that? <laughs> that's, that's very different from Thibodeau. So the Knicks have their nine guys. I feel like Cleveland has you know, their big four. The Knicks won this game getting essentially zero guard play, and they won. Between RJ, Quickly, and Grimes, that's 3-for-21 shooting on Saturday night. 15 points, that's 14% from the field. And Brunson only got, again, 9 minutes in the first half. So those are guys who normally aren't playing that poorly. So if they bounce back, if they play well in their roles tomorrow night, it's only good things for the Knicks. I think quickly is going to bounce back. You never you never see quickly go over. Um, last time he went over five was in a November game against Golden State. So, yeah, um, some individual performances. Uh, I know we talked a lot about Brunson, Hart, Obi Toppin, Randall. Obviously, his first game back in a while from the sprained ankle. He was a game time decision. Uh, doesn't shoot well. Just 7 out of 20, 3 of 10 from 3. Also had 5 turnovers. But you know, while that does need to pick up ASAP, um, yes, we've got the depth, but it does need to pick up. Cleveland could easily have better nights from some of their role players. So we need Randall to start picking it up. He can't be a playoff choker again. The resume is starting to build here. It's time for him to start knocking down some shots. We'll give him the game. Coming back from the injury, great. Um, But I still think, despite shooting poorly, he played decent basketball. Um, He made the right passes. He was hot early on, which was tremendous for the Knicks because Brunson was infaltrable and you needed that guy. Second half comes, he was a little more tentative when he got into the lane. That's where some of those turnovers came from. 
Um, but he's. I, I think he was tired. I, I think he's trying to get his conditioning back. The cardio is not there yet. Uh, but he was great on the glass. He was hustling, playing good defense outside that one possession where he doubled in the lane in the first half. Garland wide open in the corner. I lost my shit there. But, you know, 19 points, 10 boards, 4 assists, 2 steals at the end of the day. Doing that in his first game back against a very tough defense. It's all right. Um, R.J. Barrett obviously shot the ball horrendously. 7 points on 2 for 12, 1 of 5 from 3. 3-pointer three remains off. Um... But his inside game was also off. Missing some bunnies. Um, that's going to be a problem, I feel, with Cleveland's rim protection. If RJ can't get it going at the rim, he might be a non-factor offensively. Uh, I will say, he played strong defense. He made smart passes. He had six assists. He was picking his spots. was very active as a passer early on. He finished with four steals. Often leading the Knicks out on the break. Played the pass lanes well. He stuck with the Cleveland backcourt well with his size, so that was a nice positive. He had Cleveland attacking RJ plenty early on, looking for switches and looking to run sets on him with Mitchell as the screener for Garland and trying to get RJ and Grimes to switch. But, yeah, we're going to eventually need more offensively from RJ. He's got to be able to put it all together. Um, and again, in the, in the front court, Mitchell Robinson, some rough first half moments. He did pick it up by the second half. Controlled the paint on both sides nicely. Hartenstein was awesome. The key rebounds, the free throws. Um, yeah, it was a good first game. That's all I have on it. Um, we're going to head to break. And what we're going to do when we get back from break, since we didn't have the time to create a report card and you know hand out our final report card to the regular season, we're just going to run through um, the grades individually and um, also the... Um, Bing bong balls. Who led in those? So we'll get to that when we get back from break. Stay with us. Be right back. Hey guys. So if you are a listener of the podcast often and you want to know where to find me on social media, you can find me on Facebook at BD4. You can find me on Twitter at BD4Pod. And you can also find me on Instagram at Rob J. Carbone. BD4 is located on many different platforms. You can listen to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, and if you do there, be sure to give us a five-star rating and review. You can listen to it on Spotify, but you can also watch the podcast on both Spotify and YouTube. BD4 is available on many other platforms as well. All you got to do is search it up. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and much more. We also have a website now for BD4. If you go to bd4blog.com, you can find the blog, the podcast links, and also where to find me on social media. Just go to bd4blog.com. <clears throat> Welcome back from the sh- uh, to the show. I'm your host, RJ. So we're going to run through these report cards real quick. Um... I didn't have time to get that episode up, but uh, as you know, all these grades are relative to individual expectation. So just because one player might have a higher grade than another doesn't mean that player has been better than the other. It just mean he ha- means he has played to his expectation 
better than the other guy has. Um, we're going to start this by reading in order of who has the most bing bong balls. So the MVP of the second unit had the most bing bong balls. 38 bing bong balls on the season for Emmanuel Quickly. And I'm giving him an A-plus this season. The second most bing bong game balls on the team went to the guy who was the MVP of the first unit and also the MVP of the team. With 33 bing bong game balls on the season, five less than Quickly, was Jalen Brunson, who gets an A this season. Who gets an A. Randall is the next in line with 23 bing bong game balls on the year. He gets an A-. minus. Josh Hart, who came here at the trade deadline, is fourth on the team in bing bong balls. He resulted. He, he, he finished fourth with 13. He gets an A-. minus. R.J. Barrett, 11 bing bong balls. Gets a C on the season. Gave Obi Toppin a C+. Plus. Nine game balls. Hartenstein also had nine game balls. He gets a B. Deuce McBride, eight balls on the year. B-. minus. Quentin Grimes had five game balls. Gets a B. Jericho Sims had four. Gets a B-. minus. Fournier had three. Doesn't get a grade, didn't play enough. Cam Reddish, Cam Reddish, uh, he finished with three before he got traded. Didn't get a grade, obviously. Mitchell Robinson finished with two on the season. Gets a B. Obviously, it's not, you know, when you play with the starters, Mitchell Robinson plays with Brunson. He plays with uh, Randall, so he's not going to win a lot of awards, but he had a good year. Derek Rose is the last. He, he actually earned one Bing Bong game ball this year. I don't remember that. Damn. Uh, doesn't get a grade because he didn't play enough. So the Knicks as a whole, their regular season, I'm giving them a hmm. I think I'm gonna give the Knicks an A minus. I'm giving the Knicks an A minus. They had a phenomenal year. So that said, guys, we're gonna head to our final break. Get back and wrap this up with our trivia question of the day, and that'll be that. Let's get to it. Be right back. Studio 69 Productions is a podcast production agency created by Leo Rodriguez to allow content creators to market their podcast. It's an online platform that will market your podcast or any other project that you're working on. Get in touch with Leo Rodriguez from Studio 69 Productions. You can find Studio 69 Productions on Instagram at Studio69NJ. Studio 69 Productions, where dreams are heard and born. All right, welcome back to the show. Welcome to episode 510. We're going to conclude this episode with our trivia question of the day. Let's get to it. All right. So, for this episode, episode 510, our trivia question is, including Saturday's Game 1, is the Knicks' all-time playoff record versus the Cavs positive, negative, or 500? Alright, so it's a simple yes or no. Including Saturday's Game 1, is the Knicks' all-time record in the playoffs 
versus the Cavs. Positive, negative, or 500? All right, so let me know the answer wherever you can reach me. If you get the answer correct, I'll give you a shout-out in the next episode in front of all two of my followers. If you get it incorrect, I'll let you know what the answer is in the next show. But you don't get a shout-out. Um, so one final time, including Saturday's Game 1, is the Knicks' all-time record in the playoffs versus the Cavs positive, negative, or 500? And with that said, that'll wrap it up for this episode of the show. The Knicks grab Game 1 in Cleveland. Wow, that was amazing. I'm going to go stress out and concern and worry about Josh Hart and his status for Game 2. It's I, From what I read, said he's going to make a decision by tomorrow. Um, so maybe it's not that bad. I don't know. That's kind of a big buzzkill. I'm not going to lie to you. But we'll see what happens. The Knicks win 101-97. Final box score. You got Brunson leading the way, 27 points. Randall and Hart on the boards, 10 rebounds each. Got RJ leading in assists with six. RJ leading in steals with four. And you got Quentin Grimes picking up the one block. Now, Grimes had a quiet game, um, and it's unfortunate. I hope that he can find his reps with everybody healthy now. But again, with if Hart is out, maybe that's a you know kind of a blessing in disguise in disguise for Quentin Grimes. Maybe he can now start to get his reps. We'll see. Because he had a hell of a finish to the season. That's it. Thank you. And I'll see you later. This episode was brought to you by Anchor.